This is the One Verse Podcast, where we liberate scripture from religion, one verse at a time. Well, hello, welcome to the One Verse Podcast. I'm your teacher, Jeremy Myers. It's summertime. The day I'm recording this, summer officially began yesterday, June 21st. Or I guess that's today, isn't it? Maybe yesterday, I don't know. <laughs> yesterday or today. And uh, as you're probably discovering, my podcast episodes are going to be a little sporadic over the summer. I'm going to try my hardest to get at least two out every month. Really, I'm trying every week, but it's just not happening. So uh, I am going to try and keep up somewhat of a schedule over the summer, but with vacations and camping trips with the family, things like that, we'll have to see what happens. Anyway, thanks for listening. Joining me today as we look at Jonah 2.9. This is episode number 80. Hey, if I say salvation is from the Lord, what is it that you think of? If you're like most Christians, you think of how God forgives sins so you can receive eternal life and go to heaven when you die. You know, something like that, right? Well, the phrase salvation is from the Lord's found in Jonah 2.9, which we're looking at in today's podcast episode. And we're going to see that it means something quite different from, from what many Christians think it means. And we're also going to learn today from Jonah 2.9. Uh, it's something I cover in, uh, in great detail in my course, The Gospel Dictionary. That course looks at 52 key words of the gospel. And one of them, of course, is the word salvation, a very key word in the gospel. So if you want to take this online course, you need to be part of my discipleship group. You have to join the faith, hope, or love discipleship uh, levels uh, in order to take this course. So uh, you can just go to redeeminggod.com join, see the various options. Learn more about the discipleship levels, everything you get and receive, what it involves, and then sign up today. So I hope you join me there. With that in mind, let's turn to our study of Jonah 2.9. All right, so Jonah 2.9 is the last part of Jonah's prayer. And in this last verse of the prayer, we continue to see Jonah sort of praise himself while simultaneously condemning the sailors that were, that were back on that ship that he left. And he got tossed over after his instructions. And uh, as with verse 8, as we saw last time, pretty much everything that Jonah says he will do has already been done by the sailors. Uh, in fact, his words here in verse 9 are nearly identical to the actions of the sailors on, in 116. Uh, and so, you know, while Jonah is sort of setting himself up as the only righteous one in the text, it's actually the sailors who are shown to be more righteous than Jonah. So here in verse 9, Jonah says uh, that with a voice of thanksgiving, he will sacrifice to God. Uh, Jonah is, he's basically here promising to praise God and offer a sacrifice to God when he arrives in the heavenly temple. Remember, as we've gone through this prayer, we, we've, we pointed out that Jonah believes that he is about to die and go to, to heaven to be with God there. So, so here, when he promises to offer a sacrifice with a voice of thanksgiving, offer a sacrifice to God, he's not 
thinking about going to the physical temple in Jerusalem to do that. Instead, he's thinking about the spiritual temple of God in heaven. And uh, what kind of sacrifice is he thinking? Well, uh, due, due to the terminology here, it seems that Jonah is referring to a sacrifice of praise, uh, which is sort of, uh, it not, doesn't involve killing of animals or anything like that. Uh, this is a verbal sacrifice. It's uh, adoration and worship of God in response to his blessings. You can read about this in Psalm chapter 50, for example, and uh, Psalm 69, 107, a couple of others, okay? Usually this included singing singing praise songs, some sort of songs of praise to God, something like that, and just blessing God, praising God, thanking God for everything that he has done. Now, uh, what is curious is that Jonah only promises <laughs> that he will offer this sacrifice of praise to God. I mean, if it's a verbal sacrifice, praise and adoration to God, what is stopping Jonah from doing it right now? And why isn't he praising God already? Right? If it's just singing praise to God and thanking God and blessing God uh, for what he's done, then, 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 then nothing's prohibiting Jonah from doing it right now, from the belly of the fish. You know, God can be praised from anywhere even from the belly of a fish, if Jonah wants. Yet it's interesting that rather than offer sacrifices of thanksgiving, these praise sacrifices, sacrifices of praise from the belly of the fish, Jonah instead, he just promises to do so. (laughs) You know, God, when I get to heaven, then I will praise you, because then everything will be great, fine and dandy then. And, And, you know, sometimes I feel like we Christians are a little bit the same way. Uh, we just cannot wait to escape this world so we can be with heaven and God, free of pain, worry, sorrow, suffering, you know, and then we just, we, we, we just cannot wait to get to heaven and be with God forever. And, you know, that's a good thing to long for, uh, except sometimes, I think I heard a pastor once say, we're so heavenly minded, we're no earthly good. <laughs> and that's what's going on with Jonah here as well. So, uh, you know, honestly, from, from Jonah's, well, God's perspective on Jonah and uh, maybe even sometimes God's perspective on us. God doesn't want sacrifices of praise necessarily, or any sacrifices at all, exactly, especially not in Jonah's situation. What does God want from Jonah? <laughs> God wants obedience. Uh, you know, when, when Jonah, as a prophet of God, certainly would have remembered the words of another famous prophet, Prophet Samuel, and what he said to King Saul in uh, 1 Samuel 15. Has the Lord... As great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? (laughs) Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. I think what God wanted from Jonah here is obedience, not a sacrifice of praise, and especially not a promise of a sacrifice of praise. So, uh, you know, what's even more ironic about Jonah's statement, however, is that while he makes promises to offer sacrifices to God in the future, there's already people in this story who have made sacrifices to God. And we talked about this a few minutes ago. It was the sailors back in uh, chapter 1, verse 16. After the sailors were delivered from the storm, they immediately offered sacrifices to Yahweh. Uh, they, they didn't wait. And they yeah, they made some vows to, to worship God and, and continue making sacrifices. But they only made the promises after they had already offered sacrifices to God. So, uh, again, here, just as we saw in, in 2.8, we see the same thing here in 2.9. Uh, 
What Jonah thinks is true of him is actually true of the sailors and really not true of himself at all. And the same thing is true of the next statement by Jonah here in verse 9. He says that what he will vow, he will complete. Uh, you know, some believe that uh, what Jonah is saying here is that he will go to Nineveh if God will let him out of the belly of the fish. But there's no indication in the text uh, uh, that Jonah has a change of heart here. Uh, again, he, he's referring to what he just said, that he will offer sacrifices of praise to God. And again, he's referring to the heavenly temple, not the Jerusalem temple, uh, and, and not anything about going to Nineveh and obeying God. Uh, Jonah says, I'm about to die, God. Praise Jesus. <laughs> doesn't say Jesus, but praise you, God. I'm about to die. And when I get there, oh, I'm really going to praise you then. Just wait. You'll never see such praise from prophet as I'm going to praise you when I get to heaven. It'll be a sacrifice of praise for all eternity. It's going to be wonderful. And that's what Jonah is vowing here to do. He's promising to complete his sacrifice of praise when he is in the heavenly temple with God. And again, the, the contrast with the sailors is glaringly obvious. Yeah, the sailors did make vows to God, again, back in 116. But this was after they had offered sacrifices to God. And the vows of the sailors likely included the promise to continue worshiping God and offering sacrifices to him in the future. But it was based on their past behavior, the sacrifices they had already offered. Again, so while Jonah and the sailors, uh, they both promised to worship God and make sacrifices to him in the future, it's only the sailors who have actually thanked God and praised him for his deliverance, uh, for God's deliverance from drowning in the storm. They didn't drown, and the sailors have, have, have thanked God for it, Jonah's only promising to thank God for it. So again, once again, the, the, the sailors are shown to be more righteous than self-righteous Jonah. All right? And uh, verse 9 concludes with this statement, salvation is from the Lord. Okay, uh, what does this mean? Well, most Christians, as they read this, and even a lot of the commentaries I read, they sort of waxed eloquent, went off on this tangent about uh, Jonah going to heaven when he dies. And Jonah does have that in mind, in a sense, but that's not what he's referring to so much. Uh, lots of people even went off and do Jesus and how there's no salvation and their name given among heaven by which we must be saved, all that sort of a thing, okay, which we do read about in the New Testament. Um, the thing is, is in the Bible, the word salvation almost never... Now, I would like to say always never, but uh, there's a few verses like that one that I just mentioned where it, it might, in Acts 16.31 as well, and a couple other places, uh, Ephesians 2.8.9 sort of, maybe, but even that one I don't think. Anyway, getting off on a tangent here. Um, the word salvation in the Bible, almost never, maybe, absolutely never, uh, refers to eternal life, forgiveness of sins, escaping hell, go to, going to heaven when you die, that sort of a, a concept. Uh, that's the way most of us Christians think about the word, save, salvation, saved, that sort of a thing. Uh, but that's not the way the Bible uses it. Instead, the Bible, when it uses the word salvation, it has in mind deliverance. Okay, that's really all the word means, deliverance. And then what you need to do as you read through the Bible and see the word save, salvation, whatever— is a stop and put in the word deliver, deliverance, delivered, something like that, and then look in the context to see what kind of deliverance is in view. All right? It can refer to, say, deliverance from sickness, uh, deliverance from enemies, uh, deliverance from premature physical death, 
a wide variety of bodily harm, something like that. Even multiple times, deliverance from drowning, for example. Remember the uh, disciples out on the boat, Sea of Galilee, big storm comes up, Jesus is asleep on the bow. They say, Jesus, save us. Are they saying, Jesus, forgive us our sins so we can escape heaven and go to heaven, or go, escape hell and go to heaven when we die? <laughs> no, they're not saying that at all. They don't want to drown. And saying, Jesus, save us, deliver us from drowning. Uh, and I propose that's the same idea that Jonah has in mind here as well. Remember, he has been delivered from drowning, and he did not want to drown, as we saw earlier in the text, because that would have indicated that he had been rejected, okay, disapproved, despised, cast out by God. But since he was rescued, delivered from drowning, he can now say that deliverance is from the Lord. Salvation is from the Lord. Thank you, God, for not letting me drown. I know I'm going to die here in the belly of this fish, but at least that shows me that you saved me, you delivered me, so that now I can worship you in the holy temple in heaven. That's what he's referring to here. All right? Now, uh, the thing is, <clears throat> so, so Jonah is not saying, I, I'm glad I have eternal life from God. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, God rescued and delivered me from drowning in the sea. That's what this phrase means. Salvation is from the Lord. Now, here's the interesting thing about Jonah's statement, though. Jonah does not think that this deliverance of God is to all people. He says salvation is from the Lord, but he's only thinking about himself. All the way through this prayer, he's only been thinking about himself. Uh, Like everything else in Jonah's prayer, he believes that God only looks out for his own people. That God only hears and answers the prayers of his own people. All right, we've seen this here in Jonah chapter 2, but just sort of a heads up. We're going to see this as well later in the story, in Jonah 3 and Jonah 4, when God seeks to deliver, rescue save the people of Nineveh, and Jonah is not at all pleased, and he complains to God. And he basically says, they're not your people. You don't need to deliver them from burning and you know, destruction, that sort of a thing. Now, now that all, this, I'm jumping ahead of the story. I told you I wasn't going to do that. But, but look, the, the fact that God has delivered the sailors uh, and delivered Jonah, and then later is going to deliver the people of Nineveh, it shows you that this, this phrase, salvation is from the Lord, or deliverance is from the Lord, is the central verse of the entire book. This is the central theme, the central, central idea, right? And the real question here is, yes, deliverance is from the Lord, but who is it that God delivers, right? Uh, God is a God who delivers, uh, regardless of the people, who, who they are, where they come from, what they've done. All right, And this is a truth that is taught in the book of Jonah, but guess what? Jonah himself has not yet come to understand this truth. He says it here, salvation is from the Lord, deliverance is from the Lord, God delivers and rescues people, <laughs> but he only thinks this applies to him and people like him. He doesn't realize it, it uh, applies to the sailors up there on the ship and in the future to these Ninevites. All right, now... Um, so, so that's, that's the message we're going to see as we go along in the story of Jonah. And remember, this isn't a universalistic message here. Again, we're not talking about going to heaven when you die. So we can say God is delivers all people, and he's a deliver, when deliverance comes, it applies to all people. Okay, but, but we're not, we're, this is not going to heaven when you die sort of a, a message. Um, 
Anyway, uh, this is the truth that God is wanting to teach Jonah. Yes, God is a deliverer. Uh, And yes, this deliverance applies to all people, but Jonah himself has not yet understood this. He thinks it applies only to him and his fellow Israelites. Uh, Jonah does not want God to deliver pagan idol worshipers, like those sailors on the ship, or these evil and violent and wicked enemies of Israel over there in Assyria. So yeah, Jonah makes this important, central the sort of doctrinal statement, creedal statement here at the end of his prayer. But he does not believe it applies to all people. And God, in this book, wants to show him otherwise. Since deliverance is from God, God can deliver whomever he wants. The central theme to this story. What is God like? He's a deliverer. Who does he deliver? Anybody he wants. All right, so Jonah believes that uh, he's the only one worthy to receive deliverance from the Lord. Actually, the exact opposite is true. Yeah, he might be a prophet of God, you know, from Israel, the people of God. Really, (laughs) throughout this text, Jonah is showing that he's the only one in the entire text who maybe is unworthy of God's deliverance. He never repents when confronted with his own sin. He, he, he doesn't agree to obey God. Instead, he rebels. He does nothing about his shame. On and on through the text. You know, if it's, an, if it's an issue of who is worthy for God to deliver them, well, Jonah himself does not qualify. Jonah himself does not deler, deserve such deliverance. Yet he would deny it to those who do deserve it or who, who, who had, have repented. Right? Like the sailors, like the Ninevites. Jonah believes that God should not be able to extend his deliverance to whomever he pleases. Again, I'm getting ahead of the story. This is the argument that Jonah has with God in Jonah chapter 4. We'll, we'll talk about all of that when we get there. Anyway, Jonah's now done praying. And, uh, you know, we have some questions about Jonah's heart condition throughout this prayer. Yeah, the prayer is pious, full of biblical allusions and references, lots of psalms, quotations from the psalms. And yet, when we dig deeper into this prayer, we see the self-righteous, judgmental attitude of Jonah. It it pollutes the entire prayer. And that's the way it seems to us. But I guess the real question is, what does God think of Jonah's prayer? You know, is the way that I've sort of We've sort of seen how, you know, the way we respond to Jonah's prayer. I don't know. It sounds biblical and pious, but Jonah, wow, you're really focusing on yourself, praising yourself, sort of bashing and slamming those sailors. I mean, you're the one really at fault here, Jonah. That's sort of the way we have read it. But is that how God also understood the prayer of Jonah? Well, that is the question that is going to be answered in verse 10, which we will look at next time. So uh, to close out today, uh, listen, I I did talk a little bit about salvation in this podcast episode at the beginning, and then they're sort of in the middle as well. And if you want to learn more about that, as part of the uh, Gospel Dictionary course, I'm I'm looking at 52 keywords of the gospel, things like repentance, and obviously salvation, blood, sacrifice, uh, eternal life, a bunch of other ones, faith, grace, mercy, okay, all those. Uh, And then as part of that, I not only define it, but I look at several key texts. So when we look at the word salvation, I will look at Acts 16.31. And um, 
you know, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, and a bunch of others that use the word save, and we'll talk about what they mean, especially how they are understood in context. So uh, if that's something you want to learn more along with me and others about, you need to sign up for the Gospel Dictionary course. By the way, the lesson on salvation, as I record this podcast, the lesson on salvation is not yet available. So um, it's probably going to be a couple months before I get to it. I'm working my way through, and then as I finish the lessons, I post them in in the course. So anyway, I haven't taught the lesson on salvation yet, but when I do, it will be in the course. And, and uh, you can sign up to take it by becoming a member or a part of the discipleship group at redeeminggod.com. You have to join the faith, hope, or love levels in order to take the courses. And uh, you can you can do that by going to redeeminggod.com slash join. Anyway, I hope to see you there. And uh, also hope to see you next week as we close out chapter two and looking at God's response to Jonah's prayer in Jonah 2 verse 10. <laughs> see you then. See you then.